Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 21 of The Revenge of Kang. We're moving on today to chapter 3, Across the Bay. But before we get to this chapter, and I really, really want to, we have to talk a little about the ending of chapter 2. I was a little wrapped up last time with my love for gadgeteering being thwarted by the rules at every turn. So I didn't tell you how that scene ends. You'll recall that there's a big old spire out there, the only thing (laughs) that we can see uh, other than the time ship that we just looked at. So the question is, are we going to go across a little bay? That's a that's a little portion of that tremendous amount of water covering the alternate dimension map. There's a little teeny part of it that we might cross to try to get to the spire, or we could walk around overland and go through the swamp. I think the misfits are going to check out the bay. Uh, one of them is a mermaid after all, and we've not had a ton of opportunities to do anything aquatic with her at all. So the misfits are going to try the water. Ford's Furies and the Zoomers are both going to go overland, and we're going to see them in chapter four. Chapter three, Across the Bay, finds our heroes, the Misfits, looking for a way to get to the Spire by sea. Here's the box text, quote, As you walk down toward the bay, you notice a peculiar silver object beached on the shore. The object is a hollow cylinder, approximately 10 feet long. The four paddles you find inside confirm that the object is, in fact, a boat. Although the liquid that fills the bay is pale green in color, it seems to be identical to normal water in all other respects. No harm done, but I do not appreciate you telling me in the box text that I in any way experimented with the pale green water. I don't touch weird liquids. Not in role-playing games, not in life. It's caller ID rules. If you don't recognize it, don't pick up. Now, the Misfits will get in the boat and go across the bay, but first, they're going to exercise an option listed here. Quote, The spire is two miles away by boat and five miles away by land. If the heroes are all capable of flight, they can simply fly over to the spire. In this case, skip directly to chapter five. Now, all of our heroes can't fly, but they're looking at this water, this highly dubious water. They're looking at this mysterious, potentially hostile landscape. They're looking at that looming spire. They're looking at this weird cylindrical boat. And I think everybody's going to take a minute like, hey, Dr. Jaw, maybe you want to go check this out in ghost form first, do a little scouting before we entrust the life of the whole team to this weird round boat. So she's going to do that. She can fly in astral form. So she, so Advika Ja is going to go fly over in astral form while the rest of the team watches over her body. We'll talk more about what she sees later when we get to chapter five. But suffice it to say, she's going to do a lot of useful scouting. She's going to come back and help the team get across the water and over to that spire. And we'll join the Misfits again soon. They're not really the stars of today's episode because I want to take a moment to wise you up to a delightful secret feature in this adventure for one of the West Coast Avengers. First of all, beginning of this wonderful opportunity, you need to be playing Moon Knight, and you need to have been playing Moon Knight all the way from all this in World War II. So you've got the stat block from all this in World War II, you're playing Moon Knight, you write that stat block down, and you just play that Moon Knight throughout this adventure series. Now, when the West Coast Avengers go out on the water, they take out the weird boat, here's what they're going to see. Quote, up until now, the waters have been calm, almost too calm. This is, by the way, about a half hour into an hour-long journey across the bay. Quote, suddenly, the waves begin to pick up in intensity. A large black spot is forming beneath the water. Abruptly, a small island begins to emerge from the water just up ahead of you. As more and more of the island rises out of the water, you come to a horrible realization. The object is no island. It's a fish. And an angry fish at that. 
Now, you can check out the visual companion for today on patreon.com slash megadumbcast and uh, give me your opinion about whether the creature pictured there is a fish. It isn't. I don't think it's supposed to be a fish. I think it is supposed to be a sea serpent. But it looks, I would say, more like a big elasmosaurus neck and then the head of a giant bald badger with horse teeth. That's what I'm getting. And you may see something different, but I think we can all agree, not only is that fish no island, it's also no fish. Nonetheless, the mechanics persist in describing the fish. Quote, This fish is approximately 300 yards long and has the following statistics. Fighting, typical. Agility, poor. Strength, amazing. Endurance, class 1000. Reason, feeble. Intuition, feeble. Psyche, feeble. The creature has 6 karma and 1060 health. This thing has good body armor, which is proof against physical and energy attacks. It swims at typical speed, and fortunately for us, it has a special ability called complacency. Quote, Although the fish has well over a thousand health points, it will leave the heroes alone after they've inflicted 100 points of damage. I do appreciate this. It makes me wonder why exactly this thing has class 1000 endurance when the author is not going to have it charge at anything and is going to have it leave when less than a tenth of its health is gone. I think it's probably to avoid a situation where a character who has a gun, like if you're playing Punisher here, you just like fire a shot and just hit it right in the forehead and kill it because you roll a red result and it blows its endurance roll to stay alive. That's probably what the endurance is about. One of the things that this creature's high strength and endurance will accomplish as well is that it's going to prevent characters with lower strengths and endurances from slamming it. So we're not going to have a situation where you kick the fish and knock it way back, right? Wrong. There is a martial arts talent in this game. Martial Arts A. Martial Arts A provides that the user can stun or slam opponents regardless of their relative strength and endurance. And who has Martial Arts A? Moon Knight. Now it's not in his write-up in the basic revised campaign book. It's not in his write-up in this book because they cut his talents to make room for all that bullshit he doesn't have anymore. But it's in his write-up in all this in World War II. With Martial Arts A... Moon Knight can slam any opponent regardless of their strength or endurance. Even if he were up against, say, a giant fish badger snake with class 1000 endurance, he could still slam it in slugfest combat, bare-handed, blunt combat. There's a video game, Final Fantasy VI, and there's a character named Sabin, and Sabin is a martial artist. He has special maneuvers he can use. Some of them are strikes, some of them are grapples. He's a powerful, unarmed fighter. He has a maneuver called a suplex. Normally, the suplex cannot be used on, like, giant or immobile enemies, but there's one enemy in the game where they forgot to flip the switch that says you cannot suplex this enemy. That enemy is a goddamn train. Sabin can suplex a train, and it is one of the best things in that game. Such moments of pure joy do not often enter our lives, but this is one of them. Moon Knight has had it pretty rough if you've been playing him through this adventure series, but now is his chance. Using leverage, using his opponent's momentum using his tremendous skill as a martial artist to slam the giant monster that is definitely not a fish into dry land. This is going to require you to hug the coast with your little boat. It might take you a little longer, but you need to be adjacent to the land so Moon Knight can do this. Then when the sea serpent attacks, you're going to attack it in slugfest combat. Now, this isn't going to work the first time you try it. A number of things have to go right. First of all, you have to achieve a slam result on your attack. That's a yellow. Moon Knight has remarkable fighting, so you're going to need a 66 or better on percentile. That's not that much. You can buy up to that with karma. For this, like, what are you saving it for? You're going to bank it so you can thanklessly steer the fucking time ship again? Who ca- Once you've done this, who cares if you die? You spend your karma now. You save up for this. You know it's coming. That's what this episode is for. This is like a strategy guide for this adventure series. You save up your karma for this moment. It's only going to cost you an average of 16 karma to get up to a yellow result. You can do this a few times. 
and you're going to have to because we want to inflict either a one area or preferably a grand slam on the enormous see what's it. To do that, not only do we have to get a yellow result, but then the creature has to score only a white or green success on its class 1000 endurance roll. The odds of this happening are 30%, but you can do it. I believe in you. You may have to try four times. Let's say you have to try four times. That's reasonable, 30% chance each time. The odds are with you of it working one of these four times. And if it works well, you'll only need once. If you can get this thing onto land, I don't know what form of locomotion it's got, but depending on the specific mix of badger and fish, I don't know what that proportion is, but it may not be able to get itself back into the water. It might just lay there, probably wouldn't make it, probably be alive for a while, but then this is not the sort of thing you'd normally do as a superhero. You should never knowingly and gratuitously kill one of God's beautiful creatures, except with a suplex, then it's worth it. Speaking of the suplex, this is where you get to be creative. It's up to you. It depends on what your GM will accept. Some GMs, the kind who will let you do any goddamn thing on a natural 20, they're going to be absolutely fine with you saying, well, the dice say I slammed the sea monster, so I snatched a headlock, and I picked him up, and I leapt in the air for good measure, and I slammed him like a suplex, maybe a brain buster onto the land. Some GMs might let you do that. Other GMs are going to say, Look, the dice say what they say, but you got to explain to me in the fiction what's happening here. Moon Knight can't lift up a whole sea serpent, especially like it's 2.30 p.m. The moon is nowhere. And anyway, that's not your moon. It's the middle of the day in a stranger's bed. You're lucky you can get it up at all, Moon Knight. So explain to me how you take down this sea serpent plausibly, a, re a realistic way to grapple and throw a sea serpent. I have some suggestions for you if you have a hard ass GM, a DDT. You can look up a gif of a DDT if you don't know what it is. That would be a great choice here because... This sea serpent-like body is going to be very vulnerable to leverage. It's got that big head, that big badger head way up there above the surface of the water. Most of its weight way down below. I think if you can grab that head and you can have enough momentum to throw yourself backward and, and downward, let gravity do some of the work, and pull that head down, I think you may be able, you don't have to move the whole creature. You dive backward with the head, you, you slam its head into the shore directly downward, and just with the sort of whipping effect the and the spine and everything, there's gonna he's going to follow through. I don't know the exact physics of it, but when you DDT someone, typically they kind of do like a little roll through. I'm not sure why that is. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an anatomist, but that is what happens when you DDT someone. And I think that's going to happen to the sea serpent. It's going to end up laid out on the shore. So the DDT is a good choice. The key thing is you need to shift the weight of the sea serpent so that its weight does the work to pull it over. So I'm also going to recommend a Death Valley driver. Maybe you picked it up from somebody in the desert during the weird, weird west, some kind of pro wrestling prospector, some kind of pro wrestling cowboy, maybe, a, maybe a pro wrestling school marm. I don't know. All of these are wonderful options that should definitely be played in some pro wrestling game context. But for our purposes here, it doesn't matter. A Death Valley driver, you're going to get this thing over your shoulder. Once you get it moving, its own weight is going to carry it over similar to the DDT, but it's going to be a lot more impressive looking. I think it's going to make a better arc through the air. This is your moment to shine. I mean, you're Moon Knight. What else do you have? If you look at the Google search for Moon Knight throughout his career, up to this point, it's just going to be a little flat line with like, why is Batman's white costume called Moon Knight? It's not. Moon Knight's a different guy. People don't know. Then suddenly there's going to be a spike. Moon Knight suplexes Sea Serpent, then right back down. Don't think this is going to last. This is your moment. There are a universe of impressive, vaguely plausible wrestling moves that you could use on the Sea Serpent. As well as many, uh, you know, if you have total open season, if the GM says, listen, you rolled it, you suplexed a class 1000 sea serpent, you tell me what you do to it. I mean, maybe you could sunset flip this thing onto the land. Be acrobatic. You have the acrobatics talent too. Do flips, go crazy. But I guess at this point, maybe I'd better take a moment to say what the dumbest thing on this page is, since that's theoretically what this episode is about. 
Uh, the dumbest thing is the fish attacks by charging your boat to make you fall off the boat. And if you fall off the boat, then it attacks by swallowing you. And if it swallows you, then there's a bug inside its belly that bites you. It's a three-step process, very complicated delivery system to slide your ass down a whole sea serpent so that a little bug can sting you. But it's not going to come to that. Not if Moon Knight is here. If Moon Knight is not here, if you do not have Moon Knight or a similarly equipped character on your team, you may want to give the sea serpent a miss and try the land route. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.